Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Today, we look at episodes four and five of the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. The gang's starting to come together. The plan's starting to come together. Hup has a beautiful singing voice. And wait, does Deed have spotted rumpspickle? All that and more on the Dark Crystal After Show, starting now. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Yes, welcome to the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance After Show. I'm Christian Blatt, resisting as best I can alongside Rachel Goodman. Hey, everybody. And Angelica Trey. Hello, hello. So, so, so much to break down uh, in the course of this episode, and we're going to try and, well, these two episodes, four and five, we're going to try and break down the specific characters, but I do want to start with the very beginning of the episode. Episode four starts off, Hup has a lovely singing voice, and whatever it is he's singing, I think it's the poddling version of Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen. (laughs) And I think he did a nice job of it. And, of course, Deet to the rescue with uh, some really scary looking uh, that I just did. I didn't think she had it in her. But I think, uh, I, I think I actually want to start with the two of them and we'll kind of track them through the two episodes. And uh, we'll, we'll go through each of the characters. But uh, let me ask you first, Rachel. Sort of the, the story arc for the mini arc for these two episodes for Deet and Hup as the, the team that they are. What were some of your thoughts and what stood out for you? They are the purest. They are some of the purest characters that I've ever watched on TV. I'm going to just say that. And they're pure in different ways, but they're very like loving and supportive, especially the way they're supportive of each other. Yeah. And they are very protective of each other. And that to me, like even if it's not a romantic love, it's still probably the one of the, my favorite love stories that I've ever well, seen. Well, it might not be reciprocated romantic love, but uh, <laughs> you know, when Hop chimes in with a Deet always beautiful. I'm like, all right, we get it, buddy. Okay, My, settle down. That was a cute moment. Though. It was actually adorable. Yeah, but everything Hup says is adorable. What were you going to say? I was just going to say my favorite part of the whole like two episodes with them. Yeah. was the moment when Hup was saying he's not a paladin and he doesn't know. Basically, he's a nobody. And she goes, "No, you already are a paladin." And I was yeah. like, "Whoa!" <laughs> well, and I love that he threw da- he threw down his spoon and he's like, "Ah, <laughs> stupid spoon!" And it's like, "No, no, no!" And then he. Even you know, jumping ahead, of course, but the Almadra is like, so fight with me, you know, so so wield <laughs> that spoon. spoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that was yeah, great. I thought uh, I thought that was great. And you know, uh, Hup is the hero we all need. I don't even think we deserve Hup, but I think that there are a lot of cute things about both of these characters. That's why they work so well together. Uh, obviously, when Deet is asked when the last time was she washed her hands and she said, why would I wash my hands? Mm-hmm. And when she's trying to get dressed up all fancy, she's like, oh, maybe I should bathe. <laughs> you know, and so then that just sort of illustrates that, like, oh, she's never taken a bath. Well, it's, it's just not what they do. Exactly. And the funny thing here is, just going back to Hup and, like, Podlings, the more I watch this series, the more I relate to Podlings. Like, oh, totally. I, I don't relate to the Gelfling too no. much, but the Podlings, I'm like, yes, that bar. Yes, I want this. I want to live in a Podling uh, village. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. It, it, I, I took the notes of, uh, that's uh, fairly early in episode four. It reminded me of the Ewok celebration from the yeah. Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. They're all like playing little instruments. They're having so much fun. You know, it's not too rowdy. It's good, clean, wholesome, poddling fun. Yeah. And and they don't even freak out when Rian walks in. And they're like, oh, okay, there's a Gelfling here, but man, we're having fun. They're and, welcoming. It's yeah. nice. And the, uh, the the female podling that like buys him a drink and like kind of is flirting. I'm like, they're adorable. I love the podlings. Yeah. Maybe we'll get a spinoff series of just the podlings. Oh, fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> we had a couple of moments like on the last two episodes with like cantina moments. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Interesting, because like you guys are getting Star Wars. I was getting a lot of Princess Bride. Oh yeah, like a was... lot of Princess Bride with all the creatures and the oh definitely yeah and, absolutely like, happening across things. I was like, oh, this is just like reminds me of the Fire Swamp or something like <laughs> that, you know? Yeah, and I think that you know there. Their journey is not that different from the other groups of, uh, of of characters that we're getting, but in a lot of ways, there's is like you said, Rachel, it's the most pure. But it's sort of they're very relatable. Uh, what are your thoughts on Deaton Hub, uh, Angelica? I think they're a sweet little pair. I don't <laughs> know. I, I think they're a force to be reckoned with. Like yeah. obviously, they don't have the reputation, and they they can't wield a lot of like recognized power and I think that's the problem that they've come across time and time again. However, when it comes to, you know, things like passion, will and, you know, goals and I guess just like having faith and trust in each other, I think they are a great pair. They're no rock monsters, but I do feel like they can I don't know, they can just bust their way into our hearts. Hey, that rock monster has a name. His name is Lore. Lore. I yes. know. <laughs> I'm not going to make a Star Trek joke, I promise. Well, because he's Data's brother. <laughs> oh, too late. <laughs> Stop. What? You said, uh, you know, you Ow. went there. That's on you. No. That's pretty I much danced on around you. it. Okay. You did. And then, and then I just, I just <laughs> took the, the little, kill? I took the podling dance right into the middle. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so, I, you know, and uh, we're going to talk about the individual characters and then obviously they all, well, I guess literally meet up, but it's also sort of figuratively meet up because it's in dream space and sort of the importance of that moment. So we're going to kind of track everyone to that point, and then we'll talk a little bit about that, and we'll go from there. Uh, so I guess with Deet and Hup, it was really just they they have to see the Almadra. They know that that's their mission, and you know, getting the uh, the fancy dress and sort of like because look, she knew that the last time was like. Look, I was just trying to talk to a lower Madra. This is the All Madra, and I am not dressed for this. So, uh, Angelica, when we were watching it, you called it out. Makeover! Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I wanted to start clapping and be like, makeover time! I yeah. don't know why I love a good makeover montage. And well, we got it. And Hook <laughs> for the win with his speech. And, like, I love how he was like, I got this. And, yeah. like, what he did was basically speak in, like, you know, podling and, yeah. like, broken English. And so they really couldn't question what he was saying because and, yeah. he sounded so confident. Mm-hmm. And he could have just been, like, in, you know, he could have been saying anything. And yeah, he just announced how important she was. Uh-huh. So yeah. that, that yeah. paladin's like, I'll escort yeah. you. Yeah. Hub's speech and stealth went up like a hundred points that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, this is you know, it's between it, the the stealing of the clothes and and talking to that guard. And the Al Madra is basically there's not there's not even time to make you a paladin, but obviously you're a paladin. So you know, get that spoon, buddy. So uh, I did enjoy uh, watching the the two of them. Uh, and we alluded to uh, Brea makes a new friend. But before she meets her rock friend, Lore, she uh, starts off with a puzzle. Can I make a comment? Because when she was doing this, I have seen Dungeons and Dragons games that go this way. I was like, wow, I wonder. Like, just just in my mind, I was thinking, you know, this whole thing. And I think you had made the comment when we were talking before about this and how this is, like, a way to introduce people to Dungeons and Dragons by oh, watching yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found it really interesting that, of course, it's a puzzle. And, of course, this is something that you would do in a role-playing game like D&D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and totally. I love liked that as she's trying to, it was like, well, obviously we got to put them in order, and we all know who goes first, and sort of, you, I mean, we all knew, I don't know that it was obvious that right away it was like, oh, they're all equal, but it's like, well, no, clearly you're, this is going to teach you a lesson about your preconceived notion of who's important and who's not, but I, I'm glad that it took her not that long, not long enough, into, not that far into the episode to realize everybody's important. And she meets Lore, not Rock Monster, because he's really a rock being. He's not a monster, per se. I just think Rock Lobster. I do. Every time I say Rock Monster. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Rock Monster. It's a Rock Monster. (laughs) But, and 
you know, it's like, oh, uh, so, oh, and the, I thought it was actually kind of cool that they had sort of uh, phonograph technology where, you know, she gets a little scared, uh, Brea does, that he's got the blade, and then it's like, listen to this recording. Whom that was left by, by the way, we are not really told. Do you have any thoughts on that, Angelica? Oh, I, I mean, I Because you saw the movie? The vo- well, no, I was thinking of the, the voice actor for it. Who was so, the voice actor for it? it wasn't it the, um, it was Yoda. It or sounded Kermit? like Frank Oz. Well, yeah, Frank, Frank Oz. Frank Oz is Yoda. Kermit was Jim Henson. Okay, and it's, it's it's a different actor. Okay, now, it was maybe it was Jim. No, I mean it wouldn't have been Jim Henson because he's he's passed for about um, thirty years. But the but nineties, I think. Yeah, yeah ninety one. Yeah, but uh, Frank Oz is still around. Okay, not it's credited. An <laughs> but it did sound like him. No, and Frank Who is Oz. It? Frank Oz, of course, is is Yoda, but he's also Miss Piggy and you know uh, Fozzie. So he's a lot of uh, beloved characters in all of our hearts. Uh, we don't know who that was because the We're problem. We're digging. Right well, now. yeah, I'm looking. I I don't know that it was in the credits because the it auto played the next episode, so I didn't and I couldn't go back because I was <laughs> I was locked out of the screen. Nobody cares. But I wasn't able to see. I actually really wanted to know if that was Frank Oz. No, so, that's Laura's in the. Topic, I think, or the yeah. concept. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll worry out. about that later. So because it was a good. So it, it's more about who the character is that left that. We don't really know, you know. But this is obviously a very important message. My theory, and let me know if either of you agree, is we'll talk about Augur later. But there was a reference to the Mystics, and it's not time for them to come out, not yet. I would assume that a Mystic uh, left that recording to be like, okay, here's here's your your rock guardian. Uh, so, you know, you have to, you, you need him to help you out. Yeah, but do they, you have any thoughts as to who that might be, Angela? Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure yet. Frank Oz. I know they st- <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I was thinking voice actor when yeah. you asked that question. So I was like, oh, character. Uh, yeah. Because um, I was like so entranced by the no, voice I acting. Too. I was like, this sounds like, it sounds so legitimate, like old Jim Henson, Frank Oz. Yeah. And I could hear it. Um, but we did get introduced to the mystics, you know, in these episodes. So I think they it could definitely be that. And it's something that was introduced to us. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Rachel? Well, one, I just want to say that I think a lot of the characters, even if they aren't Frank Oz, I can hear the I can hear the influence that Frank Oz had on them playing the character, especially with the Skeksis and how like even yeah. Chamberlain, the way that he keeps going the the weird like laugh at the end, I'm like, oh my god, like I keep feeling like I'm hearing Yoda, yeah. except I know it's not even Frank Oz. So, um, but in terms of who the character is who left that recording. I almost feel like there should be a prequel to the prequel, and that maybe we, there will be. By may, the way, maybe a prequel, would, prequel. Yeah, yeah. Keep because going back. Um, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that it is like you were saying, one of the mystics, and that they are going to appear and help at some point. And we haven't. I mean, it could be the archer. Maybe mm-hmm. we didn't really hear too much from him. So. Um, but I, I don't know. It could have been somebody else too. But yeah. one of the mystics. Yeah, just, it's someone just putting with, some theories out there. Yeah. yeah, it's someone with magic for sure, and they are probably a fan of like vinyl. Yeah, because wow. <laughs> because of that, you know, little needle recording type. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's like an old uh, Victrola, yeah. sort of, you know, just the, that old technology. Exactly. So, they uh, couldn't I, do speech through the monster, though. No, I thought that that was interesting. It's like, well, here's the message. It was and, really neat. Yeah. And we knew, yeah, I thought it was a, it was very inventive. So we knew not to be scared of him, but uh, of course everyone is uh, scared of, of lore. But I have to give credit to Brea's mother, the uh, Almadra, who does actually she's furious with her it's like why are you not at the order of lower, lower services you're the worst but i'm gonna like check out your rock monster anyway and uh you know i think that i think that's important because well, the character up until episode four you know let's put it this way if she hadn't gone with her you wouldn't have been surprised well and i think that part of it too is when she saw the herd and she saw how they were reacting she finally yeah. understood Okay, there might be a darkness upon us. And I also think at the point when she mentioned the darkening and the Skeksis immediately freaked out and said, there's no darkening! And then she's like, okay, I've seen the darkening, yeah. and I probably never really trusted these guys anyway, so they're giving me more reason to not trust them. And it's interesting, because even though she didn't 
directly tell them that she didn't she wasn't going to do this she wasn't going to give them the volunteers even though she didn't really say it and she seemed to go along with them i could feel like in the way that like this is just a testament to how amazing this puppetry has been yeah i could feel in the facial reaction that she was disobeying even though she directly obeyed and that she was now on a path to rebel against the skexies just from the way she said it and the way she looked. Um, and so I knew that even if she was going to give the volunteers to them, that they wouldn't be the strongest or she would do something to kind of go against it. Right. I mean, they'd have freckles and things. You know, <laughs> Red just hair. To, to, oh. then the short one who's <laughs> got vigor. Yeah, the old one. The They're old all one. old. The old one is probably I, my favorite. Yeah. And I know it's not within her character, like her personality, her disposition, but I almost think it would have been better if she just played along. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, I think she was willing to play along up until a point. I think that's why she, would she have been was very useful. Yeah, well, that's true. I think that uh, she was just too too wrapped up. Yeah, I mean, I think that she should have known to maybe not stand up to the Skeksis and been like, "Oh my God, this is well, terrible." What are we going to say? And I think part of it was that she was so alarmed that Celadon was telling them everything because Celadon had been part of that dream fast, so she knew things um, to a point anyway. And so I think the worry was, "Oh no, what is my daughter telling them?" I need to stop her before they know everything. Yeah, but okay. But I see. But hear me out. What if she came out and she's like, "Sell it on sick," and then (laughs) grabbed her back? You know what I mean? Like she's been in a frenzy. She's got a fever, fever dreams, or something. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, people are pretty quick to believe that. But, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, once Celadon spoke to the Skeksis, uh, they're like, oh, okay, so she's telling us that these people know the truth. So we're going to have to do what we can to do away with that, which we'll talk about at the end of this episode. But I think it, we saw we saw some great growth from a few characters. Uh, when we talk about Rianne, we'll talk about his father. You know, he was willing to finally believe, and uh, Almadra was willing to believe. So lesson learned, kids. Sometimes, eventually, your parents might believe you. It'll take a few episodes, but eventually your parents <laughs> will uh, listen to you tentatively and be like, all right, I might trust you. It Tell might take a few but, years or yeah. decades, maybe millennia. Or trying. Yeah, or but, trying. But yeah. the, the message that seems to also play out is that once your parents believe you, they die. <laughs> Yeah, great point. <laughs> yeah, not to be um, morbid, but, but yeah, things true. did not go well for our older Gelfling. No, this was, yeah, this was this was not uh, this was not a strong uh, pair of episodes. For... So lie to your parents. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Not kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Well, let's uh, and again, we'll pick it up with everybody when we get to the dream space. But let's talk about Rion and his father. Obviously, he's spending the, these uh, episodes on the run, and. He is kind of hiding out with uh, with some podlings early in episode four, but we, he is uh, encountered by two of our uh, two two not so familiar uh, Gelflings to us, I guess. Uh, let's see, oh, somebody's phone is buzzing. I hope it's not mine. Uh, but there, so I'm just uh, having trouble finding the names of the characters, which I'll find as we talk, but. He, we meet two Gelflings. One of them is Gurgen's sister. Do I have the gender correct Naya. on that character? Naya. Thank yeah. you. And then the uh, there was the other character who Kylan. I think Kylan. Yes. Oh yeah. So Kylan uh, is is named a little bit later in sort of a funny moment. Uh, yes. So those are the two that we meet. So we get to see some Drenchen here, right? Which is nice. That clan. Yeah. And so we see them show up to basically. Everybody's like, well, we all need to. We all need to get a, a, a piece of Rion. You know, we need to bring him back because uh, the let's see who had been tasked previously. So we have these two have been tasked, and then the Almadra had also uh, sought after him. Or am I wrong mm-hmm. on that? Who was who else was looking for Rion in this episode? So we, yeah, so we had the hunter, right? And then we had Tavra, right? Tavra, and then Papa. Yeah. Papa came in. Papa showed up at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Tavra was the other one. So that's the other sister. Yeah. Yes. That's who I was trying to remember. It was the other sister. I knew that the Almadra wanted someone. So we'll talk about the hunter in a moment. So initially what we have is we we have uh, hashtag Team Gurgen, and then we also have uh, Tavra. So they're like, oh, well, we need to take him to different places, and we can't cut him down the middle. So that's when they start to realize we need to figure this out. And I do think that this is a very important moment because 
he shows off the essence and everybody's like, wait, what is this? And he tells her story and uh, not Gurgen's sister, but the character who I just forgot. Naya. Me, not, no, no, not Naya. The other one. Gurgen's sister. Oh, Kylan? Kylan yeah. is the first one to be like, yeah, I'll dream fast with you. And everybody's like, what? No, they're saying that <laughs> they're saying that he's sick. And, and you know, uh, he's just like, I'm sitting here talking to him. And he has a great line. He says that the Skeksis may rule the land, but not my heart. I like that. I love that. Yeah. That yeah. was such a good moment. And and that's the, that's a very important moment because it's like, all right, he's willing to trust him. You know, and I honestly thought it was like, all right, we're going to let you dream fast with him and we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. But then everybody's like, all right, let's let's trust him. And I yeah. thought that was that was a very there's a very important moment of unity, which is very important yeah. uh, in these two episodes. I love the resolve here too because could you imagine if they didn't have dream fasting? It would have been like, no, and everyone just, it would have been a whole quarrel. So that was really nice how everyone was just kind of like, you know what, this is authentic, and you are sane. And this is the touching moment when Rian's father shows up, and, you know, he had been looking for him again. And then he realizes, like, I know what I was told, but these other Gelfling are trusting him. He's my son. Let me trust and, and see what he has to show us. Yeah, he yeah. finally just hops in on that dream fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah just piggyback <laughs> the dream it. fast train. He just that puts his a, hand on. That it. was a big dream fast train. Everybody was in on it. <laughs> and at first, like the way that they kind of showed him like creeping up on them, I was like, okay, this could go one of two ways. Because it could have been that while they were all dream fasting, you know, obviously as we've seen, things can go wrong when you are not, you know, awake. Yeah, there's a couple of times in these two episodes where I thought that was going to happen. Yeah, me too. Um, specifically when Deet was in the dream space, but Celadon wasn't. I thought that that was a time that something was going to go terribly wrong. Yeah. And then also, yes, when we're talking about uh, we're talking about uh, Ordon is Rian's father's name, the captain. And I thought when Brea and Almadra were in the dream fasting state that somebody right. was going to find them. Right, exactly. So, uh, you know, it's, you're not very well protected. Although, yeah. to be fair... Brea does have a giant rock lobster. I'm sorry, That's rock scrubby. monster. <laughs> Has a giant rock monster. So that could have uh, kept them safe. So obviously this is very important. Everybody everybody sees it. And do either of you think the fact that this dream fasting led to the dream etching on the table, do, do we expect that to perhaps come back into play at any point? Absolutely. Rachel's nodding her head. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no. they would not. It's like, it's not like, at all. And Jody's like, I just want to be there's different. There's no relevance. Yeah. They chopped up that table and use no. it for fire. Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah. No, that is going to be like the epitome of the end. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think that was a, a very you know you could just tell the foreshadowing there, but it, it's also like well that's good because yeah you know, what if everybody gets killed and then as we know uh, Rian doesn't have the essence anymore uh, as of the very early in episode five, yeah. so it's good that this this has been recorded uh, as it were the writing's in the wood the wi- writing is in the wood now also as we referenced a moment ago searching for Rian we had the hunter. Who uh, is a pretty cool character. Uh, wouldn't want to be on the uh, hunt e side of that because uh, he seems very determined and really good at his job. And you knew that, Angelica, when the other Skeksis were like, what is this stupid Chamberlain doing? Don't call that guy. That guy's the worst. Yeah, they're He's like, going to kill all of us. <laughs> they're like, I hate that guy. Yeah. And I was wondering the whole time, too. I was like, how, okay, so this hunter, he looks like he's a Skeksis, but how is he staying alive? How is he, you know, like everyone else has been, you know, sucking the essence or the energy from this crystal, and he's been just aloof elsewhere, hunting away? Well, this, uh, I hadn't thought of this, but this sort of begs the question that the way that the Skeksis are all shriveled up, look, if you've seen pictures of people that use meth for a long time, uh, it degrades sort of their facial qualities. So maybe the more that they steal away this essence, the more addicted they get, the more they use, and it actually ends up draining themselves. So perhaps he's living the good, clean life. Yeah, you know, he's he's vegan. He, he's <laughs> vegan. He's he's straight edge. He doesn't even drink. You know, oh. nothing. And so he's just like, I just like to hunt. Or he just comes back every so often. Yeah. Well, there's also that. Yeah. But I like. No, but they said that they haven't seen him in. Uh, I think they said many trying. Yeah, many, yeah. many trying. Yeah. Which. Is it trying a year, or do you think it's like a lot of years? I, th- I think it's a long time. Like and a this decade? Em- yeah, this yeah. emperor's been just like falling apart this whole time. Yeah. So, you know, that begs to ask the question is how much 
how often do these Skeksis need to go back and feed, so to speak? Because yeah. this emperor, we see him drinking essence and being like, ah, I feel powerful, and then he's falling apart again. So yeah. what's going on with that? Which and no what's one the saw, by the way, here? which is interesting that no one well, noticed Well, yeah, that, he doesn't want to show weakness. He's the emperor. He's the emperor, yeah. But, yeah, like... And, and we'll talk more about it when we talk about the, the Skeksis. So... The hunter shows up, but uh, Ordon, the captain slash Rian's father, is on board. They have what I found to be a really impressive sequence, because first, the hunter is just jumping around, going all along. And uh, let's see. Uh, All right, so according to the fandom for Dark Crystal, Trine is an orbital period of Thrawn moving around the Great Sun, roughly equivalent to an Earth year. Yeah. So I'm going to say maybe it's 368 days. It's a little... Longer, just for many no reason. Trine. Yeah, they well, have many trying, yeah. yeah, but that's one trying is 368 days. I've decided right. based on nothing. So, uh, and I, I don't know, I, what did you each of you think? Because this is an episode that the three of us didn't watch together. What did the two of you think of the sequence where uh, Rian and Ordon are basically fighting for their lives against the hunter? So, I knew that Ordon was gonna die. I had a really, like, I I didn't think it was going to happen the way that it did. Yeah. But I loved the callback to the gobblers. I thought that was really interesting. I love when they do that, when you see something and it's there for a reason, Mm -hmm. and it actually becomes a pivotal moment. And I love the fact that Ordon did give his life to save his son. Um, it felt like, you know, obviously I didn't want this to happen. Nobody no. does. But I have to say that because you never know. No. Um, but. She did. Yeah. She wanted that to <laughs> Of course. Yeah. But, She's evil. Um, yes. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel was chanting like, gobblers, gobblers, gobblers. Get him. No. Um, no. So, but the fact, like, it, it felt right at the same time that he would that Ordon would make the sacrifice for the cause. But the sacrifice was for nothing. It was for naught. Well, that was the impressive thing. That that was like a legitimate surprise when the hunter jumps out of the gobblers. And look, it, it's it's not that hard to believe because one, the Skeksis are a little tougher than Gelfling, but he also had all that armor on. And I was not expecting that. I was so and, angry. And I was not expecting him to grab Rion. It took me a second. At first I thought he jumped out with Ordon. Right. And then I realized in the next episode that that was not the right. case. Right. Well, uh, it was Deet called after Rion yeah. at the end of episode four. And um, I had to stop and then not watch for a while because I had another show to do. Yes, I'm very busy, very important. But uh, <laughs> So, so cool. I, I, Thank you. <laughs> Uh, but I was just like, no, but I want to. I want to see more right now. And I think that a lot of the episodes, the last few episodes, you know, obviously it's been building momentum. But this was the first time where I'm like, I can't believe I have to stop right now. I need to see this next part. That, so that's why it's yeah. good that we're talking about two episodes. What are you going to say? Angelica? That scene made me angry with the gobbles. Yeah, are they called gobbles or goblins? gobblers? Gobblers. Gobblers. gobblers yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I made them gobbles in my head, but maybe. <laughs> well, uh, and and we can we can bring them to Thanksgiving gobbles. dinner. Yeah, yeah perfect. That was a great name for those things. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it's what everything. they do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it reminded me of like a quicksand moment, right? You know, where yeah. you have that, and uh, of course, just bringing it back to Princess Bride because I'm obsessed with that movie. But yeah, that scene made me angry because the hunter he's sinking and he's like, "You're coming with me," and then he just jumps out. I was. Irate. I I said out loud, really? <laughs> you heard it. Yeah. I was like, really? And I wrote down gobbles. Well, yeah. So. And, and <laughs> so just so in case gobbles? anybody yeah. gobbles. Yeah. Well, they got they're gobblers mm-hmm. because there's many of them, but perhaps they are gobbles. So yeah. uh, either way, uh they, I thought that they were I thought they were <laughs> it was a very cool device and mm-hmm. uh super creepy. So, yeah, so that is, you know, that's that first episode for Rion, and then he ends up being interrogated by the hunter. Yeah, well, (laughs) things get better, oddly enough, because of the Chamberlain's involvement. And we will have to talk more about him with the Skeksis, but he basically needs to keep Rion alive because he wants him practically... The, you need him alive so that he can make a kind of a public proclamation like, oh, yeah, I, I definitely killed Mira. That's right. The, you know, everything they're saying about me is true. There should be no rebellion building. This, these aren't the droids you're looking for. You know, none of that stuff. So everything is fine. But also, I thought he had a great – the Chamberlain had a great exchange with the hunter about like, you have your trophy. I have mine. And he's like, well, you just want a seat. And he's like, no, power. And then he's, <laughs> he's like, he's like oh, you got me on that one. 
Yeah. Even I, even even the hunters, like I do respect power. Yeah. So yeah. We saw a lot of development with the Chamberlain here. Yeah. yeah. Interestingly enough, we don't get too much development from the Skeksis. Like we usually just get to see them as a whole being kind of scummy, but which with- we definitely get. There's that scene where they're eating, which mm-hmm. is one of the yeah. most horrifying oh. things I've ever had to watch. They're yeah. killing things. They're they've got the snot and, and the one drool. Coughs everywhere. An eye out. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's what happens. My my thing with Chamberlain is he. He is the biggest politician on the show. Sure. And my thing with him is that he, even if we kind of watch him, like, the two different scenes, the carriage scene and then going back to the feast as well, he's always sitting there and always trying to talk sense, even if it's this crazy perspective. He's always trying to make a crazy into logical, and sometimes he succeeds, and that's the scary thing. Even with Rianne in the carriage, when he is saying that he, like, he's trying to convince Rianne that Rianne is actually at fault because right. he was running and that, oh, well, you know, you eat things too. I am just eating to survive yeah. like you. Well, and then, it's uh, nature. And then also when he stops and he's like, great, get out. And then he, and he's like, keep on running. And that was a that was a gamble that he took. And even he was a little surprised. Like He was just like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> that, so. that scene was the moment when you're like, mom pulls over because you're fighting with yeah. your siblings on that road trip. And she's like, okay, leave. If you want to go, get out out of the car and you're just like no (laughs) it's psychology and it worked it it did work and no one I think is able to utilize psychology better than the Chamberlain I mean for a literary character he's very reminiscent of Iago and now that works in two cases one Othello but also from Aladdin (laughs) it's the same it's honestly it's the same character so he's just in the ear of the people who are the rulers and being like don't you think you should make this decision won't everyone think you're strong if you do this it's like Yes, that's a great idea. I am going to do that. And it's like they don't even consider, like, wait, why did he suggest that I do that exactly? So he's playing the hunter a little bit. You know, he's like, I need to get all the credit, not the hunter. But I think that the interaction with Rian was really important. But when he is, when Rian is, is freed from the Chamberlain, that's when he's like, all right, I had this. Everything was all figured out. And probably in that moment, he was like, yeah, I should have killed him. That was a mistake. <laughs> he was just like he was just trying to have everything. He was trying to uh, just I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess he he wanted too much. Is, is that is that what you feel like happened to the Chamberlain Angelica? I don't know if he wanted too much. Necess- I mean, his character and like his whole what do we call it, like race species? They're very greedy. Sure. Um, but I I think with him, it's just he does he craves that power you know it's like yeah we're immortal and then he's it's not even like i know he's trying to manipulate but i think he actually believes this you know he believes what he's saying some of these times like when he was talking to rian in the carriage so for me i was kind of like oh like i i could see his point of view and not quite like empathize with the character but Close, where I was like, okay, I could see that. He's just doing what he thinks is some sort of weird natural order, you know? See, I don't know. I think that in a way he believes what he's saying, but I think the deeper (coughs) meaning behind it is that he wants to take power over somebody's, like, basically get them to agree with him and to be on his side, even right. though he doesn't necessarily need Rian to... I mean, he needs... he The plan was for Rian to lie and say he had done something he didn't do, but I think that was the whole thing with the Chamberlain, is that he wanted to speak his way into getting what he wanted, and that I think he probably did believe what he was saying, but I think that his agenda was stronger than what than anything he believes because I think at the end of the day, he his real conviction is just power for himself. Right, and I think the interesting thing about the Chamberlain is that even he knows the limitations of his ability and station in life. He doesn't he doesn't desire being the emperor, but he's like, I need that seat next to him because in all honesty, that's more powerful anyway, but I'm not trying to, to actually be the leader of the Skeksis. And he is such a politician that he actually, in a way right now, if you like listening to them talk during the feast, he 
technically sounded like the least dangerous because the other ones wanted to kill off all the Geffling. Yeah. He's like, no, you can't kill off your herd. Not enti- like not all of them. Well, what's so, the point of power if there's nothing to rule yeah, over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so and he, there's there's some logic, flawed logic there that's like, no, 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 we're just going to you know eat all of them now and then we're going to live forever. It's like, well, no, because that's like, oh, yeah, we're going to just put all the batteries uh, into this thing and then uh, it'll work forever. No, because then all the batteries will be dead and then you don't have any more. You're so. telling me if I don't eat one big meal, I actually have to... So I can't just eat one big meal and never have to eat again? Is that what you're telling me right well, now? Well, if it's a gigantic taco that you might be able to eat on a Tuesday. I can live forever off yes, of that. Yes, as long as it's big enough. Oh, thank goodness. It has okay. to be big enough, though. Okay, you're about to crumble just my whole no, 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 no. I would never, I would never do that. Okay, thank you. So, and again, the interaction between Chamberlain and Rian is... You know, it's it's very philosophical. It's like you know, yes, he he's very honest. He's like, I can't promise that we're not going to drink any essence, but we're going to do like fifty, and then the rest of them can live. What do you think about that? He's like giving him like a a very well a modest proposal, as it were. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he's just like, look, we're going to kill some of you, but a lot of you are going to still be alive. But if you don't do this, oh, I am definitely going to eat everybody. So yeah. I, I think that uh, I think that they had a very that's probably the most honest that the Chamberlain has been in the whole series up until this point with Rian. Yeah, and he even Rian even said, "Well, can I even trust you?" And Chamberlain's like, "Nope, yeah. <laughs> no, no promises." I think that's what he said. No promises. No promises. Yeah. So obviously, uh, we don't see the Chamberlain again after uh, after Rian breaks free. I am sure. I have no doubt we'll see him in a future episode oh, because sure. he is not particularly happy at this point. So we <laughs> no. will we will revisit uh, Rian when he meets up with everyone else. But we've talked a lot about the Skeksis in the last few minutes. We've talked about the fact that the Emperor is literally falling apart. Mm-hmm. And what we didn't talk about, and I believe it was, was it Brea or Deet noticed that there's a shard of the crystal missing? And Augur's like, shut up! It's not time for that, but it's actually really important because we saw the the emperor basically took a little bit and he has it on his staff. Uh, but who was the one who, who recognized that? It was I think one it was of the. Deet. I think it yeah, because you know Deet's like the smartest. Clearly, from, again, <laughs> the one who never goes out above ground. I mean, for her life. pretty smart too. Yeah. She is. She's read a lot of books, but I'll tell you, Deet knows not to take any baths. So you're saying book, <laughs> book smart versus wisdom? Yeah, and well, experience. Street smarts, aka cave smarts. Okay. I think that Deet cave definitely. Yeah, cave smarts are more important than book smarts. But all right, kids, get cave it, smart. Get cave smart. You put them all together though, and and you're going to be a real team. In defense of Brea, though, I do think that. She does have. Wisdom. Oh, she's very smart. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We're just having fun because I'm hashtag Team Deep forever and hashtag Team Hub. Oh, I love yes. that little guy. But so the you know the Skeksis are falling apart. Uh, you know what we didn't mention when we were talking about Rian was that the Chamberlain he just loves drinking all that essence. He's like, thanks for that. He's he's not bringing it back to anybody. He just goes right back to where he was. What was that episode three? Where he's like, yeah, I'm I, I I'm just gonna drink this because obviously I need it. So he has it. So that evidence is gone. He talks about uh, talks about Mira being returned to Thra, and I felt like there was something very symbolic about kind of dropping the uh, bottle there. And maybe she is literally being returned to Thra. Do you think, and we've talked about this before, I'll ask you first, Rachel, do you think we're going to see Mira again in the near future? <sighs> As in before episode 10 is over? Uh, you know what? Here's what I think. I don't think that we're going to get her physically back again, right. but I wouldn't be surprised if her soul somehow appeared. So again, I have to use a, a Star Wars comparison. Like a Force ghost, like Ben Kenobi? Yes, yeah, exactly. That's how I relate to exactly. the whole world. Like a yeah. Force ghost. Yeah. Exactly, like a Vulcan mind melt. That doesn't really apply, no. but I just wanted. I just wanted to. <laughs> you wanted to incorporate Star Trek. And I, I did. appreciate that because I just felt like that's our thing. Good try. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. That's all right. Yeah, Picard hey, in I'm 2020. A Picard. I'm, a, I'm a trucker too. <laughs> well, then look at that. <laughs> I, actually, I actually have a Picard uh, 2020 shirt. And who's his running mate on that shirt? Riker. He, he of asks because he's Number seen because he's seen the photo uh, somewhere on social media. All right, so what we get is. Uh, that we're just seeing that the the Skeksis are not doing particularly well, but uh, things are looking up for the general. He really uh, goes to town on Gurgen, and he's 
pretty determined to kill him, you know. Uh, the Chamberlain's trying to stop him, but the only reason he stops is because the Emperor shows up. He's like, I, I got a little errand for you. So uh, what do you think about all that, uh, Angelica? So just between that whole scene and, and those few scenes around it with the Skeksis, um, one thing, is Gurgen going to be okay after that torture scene? No. Which, I, you know, just Princess Bride, it reminded me of the death machine. Okay, just putting that out <laughs> yeah, there. No, yeah, no, I think that he's yeah. he's in really bad shape yeah. because he did lose some of his essence. And, yeah, so they, they made this um, new and improved essence-stealing yeah. chair contraption. And is Gurgen going to be okay? And then on top of that, is it weird that I kind of empathized with the scientist? <laughs> I empathize with him a little bit, okay. too. But, like, I think because he's the lesser of the evil of the He's tortured, but bad souls. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he he's... He's what he thinks is well intentioned because he is obviously of the idea that the the Skeksis need you know Thrawn needs the Skeksis to lead or it's all going to fall apart. So this is what I need to do. But then he also is like, oh, I get locked up down here so that I have to keep working. And I like that interaction that the scientist has with the Emperor, where he's like, Oh, do you need some more motivation? And he's like, Nope, I'm all done. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I know. Can we just let him live out his last one-eyed days with, like, <laughs> a zoo of little creatures he could take care of? He could be, like, a Snow White character, you know? And just I mean, it would be great, Live a happy rest of his life. I don't, I don't think that that's realistic, yeah. What so, do you mean? You think that's idealistic? Well, you're, you're just <laughs> counting on the Skeksis to show mercy. All right, you, fair enough. Yeah. So, clearly, scientist was pressured, like, really quickly to get this new new and improved machine ready. Yeah. So my thing is that one, it obviously didn't work. Like it did, I mean, it seems like it was it was going to work eventually, but it did not seem to do it as quickly or as strong or it didn't seem to be as powerful as when they did it to Mira. So my thought is that like you guys were kind of saying it didn't it, it didn't take his entire essence, but yeah. it did still take something and the they um Rianne made it a really big point when he like even went to hug Gurgen, yeah. Gurgen was like, "Yeah, sorry, I'm tender." They like they they've pointed it out too much. Yeah, that I think that definitely something is wrong, and that he's either going to be sick, or um, there's literally a piece of his soul that is no longer with him, and so he's not 100 percent himself. I think he's just always maybe going to be like weak, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that uh, we, I, I think that we're all in agreement there that uh, he's he's not being his best self yeah. right now. Now, on the other hand, it could just be that he was being tortured by them for a protracted amount of time. Also so true. It may, I mean, I'm sure that the machine did not help, but even before that, they they were still torturing him. So true. It could literally be that he is just really tired and, and sore. he'll get better. Hopeful thinking. Yeah, that's we really like nice. Urgent. Yeah, we do yeah. like Urgent. But look. Torture for the Skeksis, it's like small talk. They just don't know how to relate to it. Uh, so the let's see, the so the general is sent off with the ritual master is the name of that other character that uh, they're there. Uh, the one with the American accent. <laughs> Keegan Michael Key from Key and Peel, thank you very oh, much. Okay. Nice. Yes, uh, it's it's relative for now because I don't know that we'll have time for our uh, special segment uh, this episode. So we'll talk about some more of the cast uh, on our next episode. But we uh, so we see that there, and that's when they take the volunteers, as we referenced earlier, and. We'll get to this in a moment, but uh, they get some very useful intel thanks to Celadon, who, if she had kept her big, stupid eldest daughter who gets ignored mouth shut, everything would have gone all right for all the Gelflings. But no, she has to uh, go and get her own mother killed. And interestingly, she, of course, blames Brea. I'm like, no, you literally told them your mother was a traitor. That's that's and you saw it. them stab her right yeah. in front of you. Yeah, and, yeah. But I think in Celada's mind, Celadon's mind, it's that it's Brea's fault for corrupting their mother and leading her to the dark side. Sure, I, that's what she needs to tell herself. But <laughs> yeah. it's definitely not, her fault. Not that I agree. Yeah, I think that's it is what she's Celadon's telling herself. fault. But yeah. I'm yeah, just saying that in her from her perspective. Yeah. So the uh, Skeksis are at least getting a hint of what's going on. Uh, and it's, that is that follows sort of a, a very big moment in this episode. Episode five was really all building to this. Pretty much everything in these, you know, at that point, like four and three quarter episodes, is building up to this moment where 
Agra is, uh, you know, she's got a little song and dance. She's really getting into it. She can finally hear the song of Thrall. She realizes that she just needed to listen instead of trying to just make the song happen. And everybody's in the dream space, which I thought was a, a really cool sort of very astral plane sort of like shared consciousness sort of thing that uh, I, I I liked seeing that because we're finally getting everybody together. It's like, you're good at this. You're good at that. You know, Augur knows everybody. Like, yeah, she's, she's uniting the clans yeah. and getting all of the knowledgeable people together and then maybe Celadon was a mistake there, but we got all the dreaming. We got dream fasting, dream stitching, and now we got a dream space and that's pretty useful here. Yeah. Because, you know, look, we're all dreamers. That's what it comes down to. Dreamers. And I did like the way that Augur is like, oh, so Celadon, you're not on board? Boom! You know, that's, that's very, like... <laughs> Which could have set her over the edge yeah. even more. Yeah, yeah that might have been. Yeah. Yeah. Should have just put her in a corner or something, okay? She would have <laughs> been... Put her in a dunce cap. It, well, it you're in timeout. <laughs> it would have been better, because now she's, like, being an actor, you know, around while everyone else is in the dream space. Yeah. So she should have just, like, locked her away. Dang it, Agra. Come on. Well, Time out. she's like, you're messing up my... You're messing up my flow. You're really harshing my vibe. That was definitely what <laughs> Celadon was doing. Yeah. But everybody's on the same page. Everybody has all the shared knowledge. Everybody Everybody knows the roles that they should play going forward, except, of course, Celadon kind of ruins all of it. But I, before we talk about that, I just wanted to get your thoughts, uh, each of you. I'll ask you first, Rachel, on the dream space sequence that we saw. Um, so I loved that everybody came together. I loved that we had that unity. And I was a little concerned with Agra, um, just the way that she was kind of acting, like almost like she was so excited. I mean, I get it. I get that she was really pressed for time, considering she was kind of, uh, you know, she knew that everybody kind of had to go back to the real world. But yeah, the yeah, I was just a little bit like, okay, like she could have been a little less rough with some of the characters, uh, especially yeah. Celadon. But well. um, I do like the rest of the sequence, and I love the fact that everybody is now on the same page. And everybody, I think what I love the most is that, like, it's really hard to, obviously, we're never in each other's minds, but in this show, they ha- they are now literally in each other's minds in the sense that they've seen what every other character saw. And so there's that unity and that bond that they wouldn't otherwise have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think... Angelica, that Augur had to give a little tough love there. You know, she needed to really light the fire, the fire of resistance. That's her personality, you know. She's gruff. Like, she, I don't know, she reminds me of, like, a very just firm maternal figure. So, you know, it was kind of nice to see her sort of figure out her own puzzle in her own way um, back to what she originally you know, was, I guess, like, occupied with with Thra and listening to it. And it was great to see her in the dream space because it was like, Augur got her groove back. Like, it looked nice. She's, like, dancing. Yeah. It was great, and it felt good to watch. And the puppeteering for that was amazing, and it was so good. Um, but, yeah, I think the dream space was awesome. I knew that everyone was eventually going to converge, right? Yeah. I, I didn't know I, it was going to be in an astral I thought it would be plane. physically. They would, were yeah. going to all end up in Harar or something. You exactly. Know? Maybe in the, the beneath the throne room, uh, a.k.a. Lore's man cave. Yeah, but this is awfully handy. Yeah. So, so that's really convenient. Yeah. You know, as long as Augur's maybe like over by the sanctuary tree or something. So that was really nice to see. And, and I'm hoping to see more dream space soon. I feel like we might see some very soon. So as as we were touching on just moments ago, it it really all comes down to Celadon at the end, uh, letting the Skeksis know that we've got this uh, we've got this rebellion building. And unfortunately for Brea, she left her rock monster downstairs and said, stay. (laughs) So I I am I'm hoping for everyone's sake that uh, early in episode six. You know, that their bond is so strong that she's just like, I wish Laura was here. And they just bust through the floor. And he's yeah. like, hey, did anybody ask for a rock monster? Because, of course, he can't talk. But that's what his gesture was. He'll, he'll bust in and be like, rock monster. And <laughs> rock monster. And, no, he'll he'll bust through the wall and he'll be like, okay, hold on a second. And then oh. retract, like, pull out his yeah. little needle and then do the little It'll be like a jukebox. Vinyl, it's like, listen, yeah, reading Listen thing. to this. Yeah. Listen to this very Frank Oz voice. <laughs> Um, tell you everything, and he's going to put it on, like, maybe his head or something this time, and it's going to spin. That's what I think's going to happen. 
That's the greatest prediction in the history of predictions. Thank you. I should. I should write. <laughs> you should definitely. You should definitely write your own uh, version of this show. My own lore. Your own lore. Well, then it's just Data's brother again. So it just there. goes back around. Look what I did. Your there. own lore about lore. I see. I loved it. I'm I hoping it. Brea, like, I don't know, somehow gets. I don't know, like, uh, attached to the lore, like an exoskeleton type thing. I don't oh, know. that would be sweet. Like like an alien or something, yeah. you know? Or even just, like, kind of riding up top, you know? Okay, like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's more realistic. But yours I, is good, too. I think she should have, like, a little seat in the front and then <laughs> okay. punch things with it. That would be great. Yeah. Let's hope that we get to see that. So We need some action. Yeah, well, we had a lot of action in these two episodes, and I don't think it's going to slow down, you know? No. The, these episodes had so much packed into it, and it was only episodes four and five. So we're at the halfway point right now. And that means that there's still a lot to come, and we will be talking about all of it. Um, And for anyone who started watching the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance at midnight on Friday, uh, August 30th, and you watch the episodes and you've been watching us, you'll be able to see us live on Friday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern, where we'll be doing episodes 6 and 7. Now... Uh, Angelica cannot play our reindeer games that day. We are. I know. I'm gonna miss you guys. We're gonna yeah. miss you, but I'll be back. But we will dream fast. Uh, yeah, and we'll have a shared suite. But honestly, I'll be here in the dream space. We're, we're going to have to do the rest of the show in the dream space because this is actually the last time the three of us will be here. Yeah. Tomorrow oh, it'll be Rachel and I, and then next week I believe Tuesday and Wednesday we'll do our final two episodes, and that'll be Angelica and I. But and so the darkening begins. The darkening. Yes. Well, the darkening in our hearts because Rachel uh, won't be with us next week. Away from Portland. So, so that, uh, yeah, exactly. Or, or, you know, Dreamwave. Yeah, we'll see it. I'm here in spirit. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's the little bit of the upcoming schedule. Uh, is there anything that I feel like, that you feel like I haven't touched on that we should make sure we get any more points in? I'm going to just mention one more time. I love Hop. He's so cute. Anything else? Deed Hop. <sighs> Deed Hop. <laughs> All right. I, I think we should get that lady in the next episode, the one that um, gifted Rion the Sunday or whatever that oh, yeah. look and drink was. I want that. And that lady seemed really cool. So you she want to get to, you want her story? We need some sassy podlings in here. I think I think you're absolutely right. So more sassy podlings. But until our next episode, you can keep in touch with all these sassy podlings on this panel. <laughs> starting with the sassiest podling of all, Angelica. Hi, okay, so you can find me on most social media, A-Trey, A-Y-Y-T-R-A-E, and Instagram at Angelica Trey. And Rachel. You can find me on Instagram, um, at Rachel Radner Author, or on Twitter, at Rach Goodman. You can also find me on the AfterBuzz show, Young and the Restless, if you watch that soap. And and we're watching this soap, the Deaton Hup show, so you might as well watch <laughs> that soap as well. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Christian DMZ. Thanks so much. And we'll see you all next time. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world. And we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.